The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw mostly a sea of red in grain and livestock trade, crude oil under pressure, and kind of a mixed bag in the protein sector as well, with uh, losses developing there after initial gains in some contracts on the day Monday. We're going to talk about it here on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us as we kick off the week of trading on Monday and get a look at what's happening in the markets as a whole. Great to have you along for the conversation. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, as we kick things off on Monday. Again, mostly a down day in the grain and oil seed trade, along with crude oil under pressure and kind of a mixed bag of the protein sector, too. Not a great way to start a pretty busy week with USDA's data dump, the WASDE report, grain stocks, and more coming up on Friday um, late in the morning. That's going to be a very big milestone in front of these markets and Largely, this market trade probably going to be squaring up ahead of those numbers here all week long. We're going to talk about that and more. Joining us on the program today, John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing is our guest analyst. He'll be with us after the bottom of the hour to take a look at Monday's market action and give us his thoughts ahead of those key USDA reports. Also, we're going to talk weather. Got a major winter storm impacting the U.S. here early this week. And we want an update on South America's weather conditions and how that's impacting the crops in Brazil and Argentina. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions will join us here in just a little bit to discuss the weather here for the week ahead. First up, though, let's get some thoughts and market analysis from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Happy to have Arlen back with us here for a conversation after a few days away. And we talk about just some of the commodity deflation happening to start off the week with pressure, as I mentioned, in grains and oil seeds, in energies, and pressure developing in livestock as well. We start with the grains. Here's Arlen Suderman from StoneX. Yeah, commodity deflation is is the name of the game again, once again. Um, unfortunately, as the funds are worried about demand for commodities and um, continuing to sell, if a particular commodity doesn't have a headline to support it, then they're going to short it. And we had seen strength in soybeans because of weather in Brazil, but the rains recently have kind of washed away, shall we say, that headline. And so soybeans are getting sold. When you look at the wheat, they're getting good snow moisture now in the plains and across much of the winter wheat belt. Crude oil had put in some risk premium previously in previous weeks because of tensions in the Middle East. Uh, but those concerns are easing for the crude oil market. And then we saw that Saudi Arabia slashed the prices that it charges its Asian customers to 27-month lows, and that really took it out of the energy complex. So even with some very cold air in, natural gas can't even hold on to its gains, and we're seeing this broad-based selling across the commodities with chart-based selling then coming in as the momentum turns to the lower, the momentum trading algos really adding on the sell orders. I think with that, too, I'm curious. I've been watching a lot of that fund money movement here in the grains. It looks like funds are 
doing some more liquidation potentially on on the back of all of this here today, kind of setting us up for an interesting week, no doubt, with USDA's uh, large data dump coming up here on Friday, Arlen. Friday's USDA January reports are, are the, the most significant of the year, and the fact that there's more data released in that round of reports than in any other reports during the year. So your risk of surprises is the greatest at that point. The market obviously has a bearish bias at this point going into those reports, so it's incumbent uh, from the bull standpoint that USDA provide them some fresh fodder to feed the bulls. If they don't, then we very well may see the like um, continued pressure. Now, the January reports are known for being pivotal for the markets. That doesn't mean that the markets turn around and and change direction in January every year. It's just that there's so many data points in that report that there are times that you get the surprise that you're looking for to turn that momentum. Sometimes it's bullish to bearish, sometimes bearish to bullish, um, but we'll have to see how the numbers come out. Arlen, in the livestock trade, I know I was watching uh, both fats and feeders trading higher early on Monday, but now we've lost our strength there as well, it looks like. What are you seeing in the protein sector? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I did an interview early this morning, it was all about weather for the protein complex with heavy snows and cold temperatures expected to negatively impact uh, performance of both cattle and hogs, cattle more than hogs since cattle are more outdoors than hogs, but both of them, as well as the transportation of those animals to packing plants, as well as packing schedules uh, as workers have trouble getting to the plant. So that's expected to be a concern, and that supported markets early. Uh, but it just wasn't enough to sustain these markets in the face of the surplus of meat that we have currently. And they gave way to the weakness in the broader commodity complex coming off of those highs and now seeing pressure um, start to really be applied to those markets. And once again, that is commentary with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X, joined us for our midday conversation or midday commentary on Monday few news notes here. 49 states, Montana's the latest, have now allowed the sale of 15% corn ethanol and blended gasoline. But the biggest state in the nation's trendsetter of new vehicle emission standards, California, still says no. Renewable Fuels Association's Senior Vice President for Industry Relations and Market Development, Robert White. E15 was approved by EPA and the first station opened clear back in 2012. So we are now almost 12 years into the process of trying to get all of the states approved to offer E15 and California remains the last holdout. But how could the state that prides itself on such tough auto emission standards refuse consumers a lower carbon renewable fuel? They've been really focused on their low carbon fuel standard and expanding that. And of course, their interest in electric vehicles. But again, it they can set whatever goals they want emission-wise, but don't exclude the liquid fuels from helping out in the interim or the long term and don't uh, stop innovation and technology at the same time. And until the California Fuel Policy Setting Panel changes its stance. No action by the California Resources Board is, is keeping the fuel price artific artificially inflated, but at the same time causing more pollution than is necessary. And White says, ultimately, RFA expects California to become the 50th state to okay E15 sales as an interim step to bring down emissions and the highest gas prices in the nation. 
Also, the U.S. Grains Council's office in Beijing, China, recently hit the road to present the 2023-2024 Corn Harvest Quality Report, discuss sorghum opportunities, and protect market share for U.S. coarse grains. The council conducted a corn quality roadshow and seminar in two of China's most populated provinces. Manuel Sanchez, USGC director in China, says, quote, more than 60 traders and end users from all over China attended our seminar to learn about the harvest quality of our 2023-2024 U.S. corn crop and other critical topics affecting the global coarse grain market. As one of the primary destinations for American corn and sorghum, it's vital that the council engage with customers in China to share the latest market information and quote. Now, in addition to reviewing the report, the seminars welcome speakers who discuss the challenges and opportunities for corn globally, the current drought hitting the Panama Canal, and a 2023 U.S. sorghum harvest and market outlook. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at what's happening with weather, not only in South America, but a look at this week's major winter storm in the U.S. We'll be joined by Eric Snodgrass from Nutrient Ag Solutions next on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we have no shortage of things to discuss on the weather front here this week, not only in the U.S. with snow and blizzards, but in South America as well. As we continue to watch uh, rains in Brazil and Argentina here to give us the latest details, Eric Snodgrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions, joins us on the program. And Eric, good to talk with you again. Hope you had a great weekend. Let's jump down to South America first. I want to save the snow for later in our discussion uh watching brazil and argentina i know a lot of folks keeping a close eye on it looks like they've been getting some decent rains uh, especially parts of central brazil so let's start there what's the latest going on in south america right so after three months of drought uh, with episodes of heat we saw the last uh, seven to ten days finally bring in some pretty decent rains to north central brazil so like Mato grosso all the way over to the eastern side of brazil now, will it undo months of damage? I don't think so. In fact, if I do a historical analysis looking at yield from CONAB and comparing it to similar weather scenarios, we would estimate that that north central growing area, including Mato Grosso, could be off by you know 10 to 15% in terms of yield production. I've averaged for the whole country. My, my Literally, just my average state by state is 12% off of normal yield. Uh, but we have questions as to whether or not parts of Cordoba can make up, or excuse me, parts of Argentina can make up for some of those deficits. And I said Cordoba on accident there because over the weekend I was watching Cordoba specifically. That is a, that's a, a province in, in, um, uh, in, in Argentina because some places right around their main, their capital called Cordoba as well, picked up um, a foot of rain. I mean, a foot of rain mm, over the weekend, wow. incredibly heavy. You may have seen it on social media, some of the flooding there. So now we've kind of flipped the script in parts of Argentina where there's been too much rain potentially causing some problems. So here's what I'm concerned about. Uh, North Central Brazil has another week where there's decent moisture. It's not heavy, heavy rain, but there's decent moisture coming through. We then see a slowdown into the third week of January. 
Right now, though, every long-range forecast I have access to, and it makes sense meteorologically, we expect it to go back over to a wetter episode at the end of this month and beginning of February. And to be honest, that's not what they want. That is the time period we need the monsoon to back off, bring in drier conditions so that they can harvest what crop is there and quickly plant safrina. As I see it, if the wet weather does verify at the very end of the month, beginning of February, we're going to be putting on heavy. It's like us getting heavy rains in September and October. You know, we, we don't want it then. We want the crop mm -hmm. to dry down. We want smooth harvest. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be just kind of another punch in the mouth to this Brazilian crop. So will we see a weather premium built into the markets based upon this? Uh, be honest with you, Jesse, after talking with a lot of great ag economists, it seems to be something where everyone's going to have to start announcing that this crop is not just sub 150, but but maybe even lower than that. If it does, it may finally unhinge the trap and get things moving in terms of soybean prices with, with a weather you know issue, which you and I have been talking about now for three months. So I think it's going to be something that uh, continues to need to be monitored. And wet weather now, remember, is not ideal. So that's what I got yeah. from South America. I'm going to say TBD, I think, for South America on some of that stuff here. We'll watch over the next couple of weeks ahead, and I know you and I will continue talking about it for sure. Something else we've talked about has been how dry it is in the U.S. here this winter. It's been pretty mild. We haven't seen a lot of big storms. Well, that's changing in a big way here to start off the week. And I found this interesting. We have blizzard warnings, winter storm warnings stretching all the way from Kansas up through Nebraska and Iowa, et cetera. Did I see this right? A blizzard warning in Seattle too, <laughs> yeah. Eric? So what's going on with U.S. Yeah. weather here this week? Well, very close to Seattle. It was kind of fun to just watch this. So the last time that the National Weather Service out of Seattle issued a blizzard warning for any of their territory, which does include parts of the uh, – the uh, Cascade Mountains um, and the Olympic Mountains was 11 years ago. So this is uh, wow. this some there's people that work there now that have never done this, and so they just got their first taste of it. Yeah, it's east to west. The whole country is got uh, our all, all hazards weather map is very colorful. You will either deal with severe weather and flooding, you will deal with strong straight line winds, or you'll deal with heavy snow. But the only spots in the country they're going to miss out on this are going to be pockets of the northern plains and the southwest. Those are just two areas, I think, that are going to miss out on all the flow. You know, the everywhere else is going to see it. So how much snow are we going to get? So it's going to come out of parts of uh, New Mexico and Colorado, the panhandles getting into Kansas. We're expecting from that area all the way to Michigan to be a pretty good stripe of 6 to 12 inches of snow. Uh, it's going to be probably hardest coming through parts of Iowa, parts of northern Illinois, into southern Wisconsin, eventually into Michigan, with heavy snows on the backside of this in, uh, in Nebraska and Kansas. Kansas. Now, remember, this is just system number one. This same system is going to put rain down on top of where the snow fell over the weekend in parts of New England, causing a flooding problem there. And then we have system two that follows it this upcoming weekend. It's going to go a little bit farther to the south. And then there's system three, which comes midweek next week, which even goes farther to the south of that. So unlike a year ago where we couldn't buy a snowflake in the midsection of the country, it was all up in the northern plains or all in the upper Midwest or all out west, we're finally getting some action here with snow. And so this is going to be a week where we really transform the landscape. And the good news about this is those soils aren't frozen. There's no what we call antecedent cold air, no preceding cold air, which means a lot of this is going to soak in and work against these long-standing drought issues. I love everything about this pattern, even though it's going to be very disruptive to our lives. When it comes to agriculture, we will look 
in March, April, May of next year and come back and say, man, I'm so glad January punched us in the mouth because it's the kind of thing that comes through and starts to deliver the beginning of the end of these drought episodes we've been dealing with. And I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, it, and it's it might not be something that is necessarily seen right now, but with those soils not frozen, you know, hopefully eventually this moisture, some of this moisture can make its way into this soil, can help out everything, all of our subsoil moisture, eventually maybe the river systems as well, potentially, or at least this is getting us a start, right? This is This is going to help us out, as you said, kind of in a big way here for this spring, isn't it? It is. And, and remember, there's another part to this. So I said it starts off mild, but then it comes in with brutally cold air by the end of the week. In mm, fact, by Mon yeah. and looking at Montana, Montana is going to start off with highs in the mid 40s today and then finish with highs, not lows, but highs around minus eight to minus 10 by the time we get to the end of the week. And the colder that's coming across the country after this week, okay, so after this week, it's gonna get all the way into the south and southeast, where early this week, we start up with two, two days of severe weather, one over the Gulf Coast today, tomorrow it's gonna be moving farther to the east over parts of the southeast, like from Florida to, 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 to North Carolina. Well, we're gonna have such cold air that's gonna get all the way into Florida. I imagine we're gonna get back into that you ever seen the warnings about the, the, the freezing iguanas, the falling iguana mm -hmm. forecast? I think we're going to be getting at some of that by the time this cold air penetrates pretty far to the south. But your comment was about later, and I agree. This is the, the this kind of thing we need to see. And to be honest, Jesse, some of the new long-range forecasts for spring are actually showing pretty tight windows given wet conditions being forecast as El Nino, which is at its peak begins to fade but you and i will have months to talk about that i just want to put a bug in folks ears that this pattern can stay active for quite some time uh, getting us all the way to maybe from march april and may anything else uh, on the u.s weather here this week you want folks to just remember or reiterate to them like you said uh, this is the first of a couple different systems moving through so anything else you would say in terms of the u.s weather here the next week or so yeah, um, it's not set like this forever, okay? We're gonna deal with it for 10 to 15 days. And then I do expect the pattern to go back toward what I would just say a bit more El Nino-y, which is what we saw in December. But I think the roller coaster ride has now been kicked into higher gear, which means we're going to not just get stuck and stuck for long periods of time uh, in either very mild and dry or very cold and wet setup. It's going to be fluctuating quite a bit. And just because you mentioned that, I do want to just go somewhere else real quick around the world, Australia. So this El Nino has not been typical for Australians. They're now getting another round of very wet weather to the east. They prepare for massive drought every time someone like me says El Nino. And we've been telling them, hey, it's not your typical El Nino flavor. And that's key because we're going to watch this El Nino, which has peaked now, crash over the next six to seven months. Well, good stuff as always. Folks can find more ag-wx.com. They can sign up for your weekly weather newsletter and get a look at the latest forecast for their area, ag-wx.com. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Always good to chat with you, Eric. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you then. Great thoughts as always. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions joining us here for a weather update this week on the show. And uh, I look at that uh, all hazards map from the uh, National Weather Service and I, I feel like the colors, uh, we keep adding to the pretty colors there and it keeps growing as we see, again, blizzard warnings uh, stretching from parts of Kansas and Colorado and 
up into Nebraska now. Winter storm warnings covering much of Nebraska and Iowa, or at least the eastern half of Nebraska, much of northern Missouri into uh, pretty much all of Iowa, into Wisconsin and parts of uh, northeastern, or excuse me, northwestern Illinois. So definitely going to be a treacherous stretch here for a couple of days. Going to have to keep our eyes on the weather very closely. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a dive into what's happening in the commodity markets as we kicked off the week on Monday. Kind of down trade. We'll talk about it with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing. That's next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, not a good start to the market trade in terms of grains and energies. I had a pretty down day on Monday across the board. Livestock was more of a mixed bag as well after some initial strength. We got a lot in front of us here this week, including the USDA January reports on Friday. I know for sure we will bring that up in our conversation as we dive into things. Joining us today for market analysis, John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing. And John, good to talk with you again. Uh, we've had the past couple of Mondays off with the holidays, so it's uh, good to have you back on the show. Happy New Year to you and yours, John. Yeah, I hope things went well for everybody over the holiday break or the holiday time frame there. And, you know, unfortunately, what I was fearful of the first of the year, some selling pressure. And boy, we're sure seeing that going into the report this week. And yeah, it's just kind of a tough time right now in the gray markets, especially. And, you know, even some of the things in the livestock market, which we'll touch on later, too, just maybe not quite getting the, the signals that we want to get here, you know, as we're starting 2024. No, definitely not the signals we want to see. Uh, your biggest thought here on the pressure in the grain trade on the day Monday, was it mainly, you know, crude was down 3% on the day? I mean, was that a big reason? Was it something else that I missed? Was it just, a, you know, kind of a commodity flush out, so to speak, to start off the week? What do you think, John? Well, you know, that crude oil market was a bigger factor in things, just at least to get some of the negative momentum to start the day is, you know, Saudi Arabia announced that they're going to be cutting oil prices for the month of February for their customers. And that sent crude, you know, $2, $3 a barrel lower, as you just stated, which is, you know, a big, a big factor. And just in terms of the overall commodity space and how things are kind of just the momentum for the day. But when you get over to that grain market right now, it's all about the South American weather. It's all about money flow. You know, we keep looking at commitment of traders, funds added to that short position in corn up over 200,000 contracts now on last week's commitment of traders report that again was filed on Tuesday. So mm -hmm. I guarantee you it's even bigger yet with the selling pressure on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week. Soybeans funds are now negative on the soybean market, looking to probably grow that position. You know, we're just looking for some positive news. 
We're not seeing it. Even the export news in terms of sales last week for corn and soybeans on the export sales report were, were disappointing. Export inspections for beans were disappointing again today. Corn was within expectations. So maybe that export window for beans is starting to close as we're getting some of these early beans in uh, to Brazil. And just right now, the markets uh, are reflecting even with the weather that we're seeing down there, that there's still going to be an ample supply of beans coming into the marketplace. And there's just no reason for somebody who's sitting on the short side of this market to want to get out right now, whether it's corn beans or even on the wheat side. Well, talk to me a little bit more about this soy complex first, because I look at Jan and March beans, you know, closing down a little over 10 cents on the day Monday. Uh, I have to think we're either breaking through or testing some key support levels here on the charts. But uh, your thoughts, can we, you know, when does the bleeding so stop, so to speak, here in soybeans? Because I think back to, you know, early December, we were sitting, you know, around the 14 handle. Now we're in the 12. So what do you think here, John? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and the charts don't look very good. We had a couple very key support lines that you know in terms of trend lines and just historical supports that we've kind of broke through you know realistic you go look at a march bean contract now the, the kind of the next level of real support is maybe last year's low in may you know which was down another dollar from here so that's a little bit on the scary side of this market right now but at the same time today it was encouraging we went down to the 1240 area we did hold that we saw soybean meal or soybean oil turn positive on the end of the day, and that is an extremely oversold market. So maybe we got some turn here with the report coming that maybe we get some position squaring. And the biggest thing is though, right now we're just kind of looking at the forward pricing in terms of the South American beans versus U.S. beans, and we're not competitive. And this market just still has no reason to want to ration demand here. In fact, it still wants to find some demand. Overall, you know, and that'll be something we'll address on the report on Friday in terms of some of these exports uh, numbers as USDA make adjustments there. Uh, so at least at this time frame, it just doesn't feel like the bottom's in. Uh, but it did at least like the fact that we found ourselves, we'll get ourselves nine, ten cents off the low today. We'll see if we can get some follow through on turnaround Tuesday tomorrow. Maybe that'll get the funds, at least maybe we'll move some money sidelines, squaring up some of these short positions and going into the report. You know, the January report is one that can see some pretty good adjustments, some big movements. We do see CONAB numbers coming out this week as well. So what's going to happen mm -hmm. with that Brazil crop? You know, I think the market's already pricing a 150 area type crop. You know, last week we saw some private analyst group bring that number down into the lower 150s. You know, just my gut feeling is it's even lower there. Maybe it's into the upper 140s just given some of the talk that you hear on the social media side and where some of the buzz numbers might be. You know, it's still a long way to go in that crop. But even with that, you know, losing 20 million metric tons, it's easily absorbed by Argentina uh, in terms of it coming back to full production with good quality beans and crops this year. And that's just going to really make it difficult in the soybean meal, soybean oil markets. If they got supplies, they're going to compete against those U.S. supplies. You know, uh, the crush number is a key number. And if the margins aren't there, that's going to be hard for the bean market to really find some footing, you know, and build some base and maybe work higher, even with the tighter numbers here in the United States, which, you know, the USDA will probably still validate on the report here next week or by, on Friday this week, excuse me. Corn market, uh, 455 at the close on the March contract on Monday. Your thoughts in corn here as we head into the USDA report. You know, I, I, I've heard some farmers selling, but 
maybe not as much as was initially expected. Maybe you've heard differently, but obviously a lot of farmers don't love this price of corn right now, and they're probably not selling unless they have to. What's your take in this corn market right now? I think that's going to be a big thing, but we still have a heavy front end supply that we're working through. And, you know, the elevators don't need it. Now we are seeing a little bit of a push higher in the national basis here, at least on the average level. Some of that might be just the seasonal window that at least is out there, you know, but maybe the cash market can find a way to do a little bit of lifting and hold the futures market in play. You know, I was watching 460. I thought that was a very key spot. Unfortunately, we are now through there. And we'll see if we can get back above there by the end of the week. And then maybe we got a bit of a shorter term, you know, window here. We could be putting in a bit of a low. Here's the biggest problem, though. Again, we're still looking at 2.1 plus billion bushels of carryover. Grain stocks numbers might be the one I'm watching the most closely on, on Friday. You know, do we have some type of a surprise there? You know, one area I'm looking at is, is uh, the feed usage side of the equation, you know, from last year to, or from two years ago to into last year, USDA took about 440 million bushels off feed demand. They've added about 100 million bushels back in for next year. Maybe that needs to be another 100 million. I mean, go look at the quarterly hogs and pigs report. Go look at the cattle and feed numbers that we're you know we're feeding heavy animals you know at the end of the year. So that first quarter usage could be a little bit better than we anticipate. You know, exports been fairly solid, slightly ahead of the pace with the inspections numbers today. You know, ethanol grind's been slightly ahead of the pace. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a, a friendly window there. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be back to 1.5 billion bushels of carryover, but maybe there's a way if they don't make any adjustments on the crop and get this thing back under two. And with the market leaning as heavy as it is, it would set us up for a potential rally on just money flow. But I would guarantee you that as a producer, I'd be ready to sell into it. And again, because the overall supply picture is still not where we need it to be. And again, those South American crops, corn is going to be coming down the pipeline then for Brazil, especially with improved weather. And then obviously that big Argentina crop coming to play later on this spring, you know, will all make major factors in terms of our prices. So to me, rallies are meant to be sold if we get any here, at least in the short term, until something truly changes on the fundamental picture. I'm not sure we'll get it this week on the report. But at least maybe we get something here that makes the money want to flow out of these short positions for a limited time for producers to take advantage of. Any selling, any moves in uh, 24 corn or soybeans here ahead of this WASD report, John? I mean, anything you're watching there with new crop? No, I've been pretty aggressive up to this point and trying to hold the $5 handle as much as we could. And, you know, so right now, big break, obviously, through the $5 handle, you know, back challenging the lows from last May, you know, on that 24 price. So it's going to be an area I'm a little bit concerned about, but uh, hopefully we can find some footing in here. You know, obviously, we've got a long way to go going into that crop. How many acres are we going to plant? That's going to be a big factor, you know, uh, where we are versus beans. And that could be something we'll see as we move into the spring. You know, I've been encouraging guys to lock in the $5 handle as much as they can. Now we're kind of being a little bit patient. Let's see. You know, typically the market doesn't do it all the time, but typically the market will give you an opportunity to market, you know, a fairly profitable crop, not not at a higher level. You know, so I better know your numbers are because all of a sudden we might get a two, three week window sometime in June or July based off weather, based off a demand surge, something that could give us a window where we can market profitable cash sales. And then you better be ready to take advantage of it. Uh, at least right now, barring anything major happening, you know, a full rally back to last summer's highs or even the 
you know, even the, the fall highs before we really started falling apart here, you know, 540, 550 window looked pretty hard to do at this time frame, especially given the supply picture and the great and the stocks to use it number as heavy as it is. Well, once again, we're having a conversation today with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing, and we will continue our conversation coming up after the break. Want to ask a little bit about the wheat markets. Also, we'll take a look at cattle and hogs, kind of a mixed bag there on the day Monday. A few of the closes in the grains. March corn down five and three quarters, 455. July corn five and three quarters lower, 478. January soybeans 10 and a quarter lower, 1239 and a half. March was down 10 and three quarters, 1245 and a half. January bean meal down 50 cents a ton, 368.10. Soybean oil, January 27 points higher, 47.44. March Chicago wheat 19 to three quarters lower, 596 at a quarter. March Kansas City wheat down 12 to three quarters, 615 at a quarter. Spring wheat March nine and a half lower, 702 and a half. February live cattle down 62, 169.95. January feeders 75 higher, 223.87, and February hogs up 60 at 70.60. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk, our conversation with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are talking today with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing. John, uh, I should ask wheat real quick. Uh, down day there. Any notes? I, I know we're getting some uh, pretty good snow cover in, uh, in a big way in winter wheat country here uh, early this week. Your thoughts uh, in this wheat trade overall heading into Friday's reports? You know, again, it still kind of deals with where we are on the global wheat scale in terms of price. I mean, obviously, yeah, we got some improved weather, snow cover, moisture, things of that coming through with this winter storm. You know, so that's been been helpful. But we're watching also the global wheat prices looking a bit weaker. We got a nice crop coming out of Russia. You know, I think that just kind of weighed and we saw that profit taking today with those double digit losses in wheat. So, you know, again, the wheat market is still one that's very, very cautious threw in there a dollar, which is trending higher, uh, at least in this window, which is uh, obviously not friendly for wheat as well. So it just kind of came down to where U.S. wheat just got itself a little bit expensive again today, even though you know, we had some chatter last week of some Chinese purchases possibly coming in wheat. And we've seen some, you know good export inspections and you know and decent sales. So we got at least a little bit of positive demand tone but so we just got to maintain our competitiveness globally or those exports will shut off very, very quickly. John, let's go over to livestock and uh, cattle and hogs. We started off pretty strong across the board on Monday, and then we gave back some of that strength and kind of a mixed tone. I'm going to pull up on our video feed uh, a um, screenshot of the National Weather Service uh, all hazards map here just to kind of start off our conversation in cattle is uh we both mentioned this winter storm you look at uh key parts of kansas oklahoma into nebraska iowa a lot of reds a lot of pinks for blizzard and winter storm warnings so i have to wonder 
how much this week's winter storm could have an impact or is already having an impact on this cattle market trade, John. Yeah, that could be something we got to watch. Now, today was another disappointing day overall in that cattle market. You know, retail values have been continuing to slide. Now, we did have at least a positive midday tone. But, you know, we're putting some pretty big carcass number weights out there right now. So we're seeing some buildup of supply. The chain still continues to be slow in terms of slaughter pace. Now, we did get a little bit of a boost in cash trade and talk to some producers. And maybe some of those bids down the road are getting a little more friendly. You know, so that can help us here in this window, especially with the snow coming. You know, that's obviously going to slow down the livestock movement in the countryside or stress the cattle on the gain side. So we'll have to kind of watch how that always plays out. You know, but I'm a little disappointed in what the charts have been doing. And again, looking at the technical side, you've had a pretty decent recovery in the February cattle. Now we're trading a little bit under cash, so maybe we're undervalued. But if you go look at that chart now, in the last five days, we've had ourselves a, you know, a, a couple sets of reversals, especially the last two days. Does it just look like the money's a little tired here? Not sure. You know, uh, that's that's the concerning part. Does the technical mm -hmm. side kick back in again? especially if we can't see a little more bid on the retail side in terms of those choice carcasses getting picked up a little bit more. You know, so I'm at a bit of a crossroads right now in the cattle market. I still like it. I still think we've got some time. I'm still a little more friendly third, fourth quarter maybe than I am the first quarter of the year, just given those larger placements that we did see here at the end of the, you know, the end of the year cattle and feed reports. So, but again, I still want to see where we are in that cattle inventory report. I'm watching that at the end of the month. You know, where's the cow, where's the cow herd at? Where's the calf crop at? You know, are those feeders out there with the weaker corn prices? We're seeing a little more demand for feeders. You go look at the cash index to the January contract, six bucks over the January contract. You know, so some strength there could also help support the cattle market. But like I said, just watching what's going on on the charts right now, we've rallied basically almost 10 bucks here. Is it a window we just take a pause and make sure the fundamentals are there? Uh, but again, a little bit of a toppy action on Friday. And again, today in that market, just makes you a little bit cautious on what the money flow might be. How about this hog market? We've been trying to find a little bit of footing. It looks like a few up days in a row. Any notes in the uh, in the hog side of the equation? You know, there are another issue. And you know, we look at the quarterly hogs and pigs and just that efficiency and pigs for litter was a huge jump. You know, and that just can put many uh, more pigs in the pipeline than this market wants. Uh, so we're a little bit concerned there. Cash prices continue to struggle. Now, the index is starting to turn a little bit, only down about a penny today. But we are working off of some lows. So maybe that's going to bring a little bit of money flow into the futures market that the cash may be finding a bottom here. You know, I, kind of, I did not like the way the February contract was trading, but we held that 65 area, you know, 64 area, which was basically a trend line low. You know, now we're getting some money flow. A lot of resistance over the top side. To me, you got to get this thing up over 71, 72 to start feeling good about maybe some more upward movement. And to me, it's a chart that's still on a slippery slope, just given the supplies and just concerns regarding demand here, uh, at least maybe going forward, barring some more technical move and maybe getting some money flow into this market. But we need something. Retail values need to catch a bit. Mm -hmm. Cash market needs to show a steady return. We're not quite seeing that at this time frame, so it makes me just still a little bit cautious, especially given the number of hogs coming through the pipeline. John, how about the dairy market trade? Any notes there for us this week? You know, you go continue to look at the dairy market. It, you know, it's a struggle right now. Again, it's another market that just isn't finding the bottom, and maybe we're building a nice little base here. We'll see this holding the bottom area, this 1550 window on that February contract. 
But again, we're still seeing way too much supply flowing through. We're still watching the cheese demand. Some supply is starting to build up there. You know, you got that block barrel price at 145 a pound. That's still just obviously going to hold prices in check. Just still feels like we're on a bit of a slippery slope. But at least we're maybe getting a little bit of sideways trade here in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that can hold. But I think if cheese prices decide to slip again, all it might be is a consolidation for another leg down. Hopefully not for the dairy producer, but, you know, we do still have about a 60 cent gap between January to February uh, that could easily get filled if we don't start seeing that cheese demand pick up or those milk supplies slow down. John, folks want to reach out to you, get some advice. How can they get a hold of you? Sure, love chat with me anytime. Give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. Again, that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. With that, John Heimberg, Total Farm Marketing. Always good to chat with you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a great week. Once again, John Heimberg there with Total Farm Marketing. You can find them online, totalfarmmarketing.com. And that is going to do it for today's show. As, uh, again, pretty uh, pretty much a down day across grains, uh, mixed bag and livestock. Crude oil down 2 to 3% on the day as well on Monday. So not a great start to the week. Coming up tomorrow, we'll talk with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net as we continue to head towards the January reports from USDA coming up on Friday. We're out of time here on Market Talk. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.